Thank you so much, uh, Isaiah. Thank you. It's a lovely time, isn't it, that we can gather this way. Yeah? Just take a break and, and come into the presence of God. And, and uh, when Isaiah asked us to turn around to, to say to the person next to us, you're beautiful today, I said to my wife, you're beautiful today. <laughs> the Lord willing, if we are not taken home yet, uh, next year we celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. Yeah. And uh, it's been an exciting journey, and praise God for the way He has led uh, you know, uh, us. And uh, for every one of us whom we come before the Lord, whom we can look to Him, to praise Him and to live out for whatever and wherever He has placed us to be. Does God care about our 9 to 5? It's a question that... Uh, uh, I, I asked, but in a different way, you know. Uh, when I started work in the 1980s, it's always been my desire uh, to make sense of the time that I spend at the workplace, you know, because it just does not make sense that we worship God on Sunday and the rest of the days are not worshipping God at all, inverted comma. It just cannot be so. So I'd like to just uh, share with us uh, on the topic of the CEO, the CEO whom each one of us would look to before God to thank Him. How many of us are CEOs here? Don't put up your hand. But at the end of this session, I pray we walk out for wherever God has placed us, for whatever He has led us, that we know we are CEOs to the glory of God. This is a beautiful quote I came across in our daily bread, the world crowns success. God crowns faithfulness. Isn't it beautiful that in all the world aspire to be and all the world's acclaim that one can achieve and how the world would just say, yes, that is successful. But yet in God's eyes, it is always faithfulness. And we don't have to go very far but to look at our supreme example, Jesus Christ. Jesus, in the book of Revelations 1 verse 5, it says, Jesus, the faithful witness. Faithful witness, not the successful witness. And if we go through Moses, for example, Moses, my faithful servant. And that's how we look to God to trust Him, and to allow Him to work in us. Please read with me these uh, two beautiful passages from Scripture. Shall we read uh, together Romans 12, verse 1? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Matthew 25, verse 21. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. A living sacrifice. You know, when I read this verse time and time again, I'm reminded that this living sacrifice whom we are is a 24 by 7 sacrifice. It is not a case like on Sunday morning we wake up and we go to our spiritual wardrobe, you know, and we open up the cupboard and we take out our spiritual attire, whatever that may be, our t-shirts, our blouse, our, our pants and, and, and dress and so on. And then we say, God, this is that living sacrifice, you know. 
but it, it expires two, three, five, nine, uh, the same night, you know, the same day. And then we go to sleep. Monday we wake up and that, that spiritual dress, so to speak, or, or spiritual attire goes back to the spiritual wardrobe. And Monday we wake up and say, oh God, what is happening? You know? But we are that same sacrifice. 24-7. And that sacrifice whom we are in the church is also the same sacrifice before God. And it just dawned on me, and I pray to all of us too, that God looks at us in the entire life that we are before Him. Praising Him, thanking Him for all that He desires to do in us. You know, and when we look at the Bible in terms of the characters, the people that have gone before us, you know, the, the Hebrews 11, the, um, the Hall of Faith, the many names that are mentioned there, do you know that there is one name that we are told never, never to follow? And that name is in Hebrews chapter 12. That name is Esau. Esau. We are told never to be like him. Why? Because the Bible says, let no one be godless or immoral like Esau, who exchanged or who sold his birthright for a single meal. Never be shortchanged in that sense. You know, there was this uh, Singaporean couple who was uh, recommended uh, a very fine, exquisite Japanese restaurant. And being the Singaporean whom they were, you know, they said, wow, must try, sure must try. So, okay, they booked a restaurant, you know, a table at the restaurant, and, and they went, and the husband and the wife entered, and, and sure enough, oh, the meal was exquisite. The sashimi, the tapanyaki, the sushi, oh, wonderful. And when it came to the end of the bill, uh, the, the meal, the husband asked for the bill, you know. And when the bill came, the husband nearly fell off his chair. It was so exorbitant, but what to do? You've eaten, right? So you paid up. So as they were leaving the restaurant, uh, the restaurant manager was thanking them and say, Arigato, arigato, you know. The husband looked at the restaurant manager and said, Kanakoto. <laughs> kanakoto. You know, friends, in life we can be kanakoto for certain things, okay? Earn, work harder, get the money back, and so on. But there is one thing we must never, never be kanakoto. Esau was that name we are specifically told. As we look through Hebrews 11, climaxing at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Jesus Christ, whom we are told to fix our eyes on him the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. All the names climaxing at Jesus, but there is one name. We are told, never, never be like him. And so in Hebrews 12, 16, the Bible says, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn for a single meal. Today, there are many meals dangling before us. Many. Whether they concern houses, cars, credit cards, country clubs. I don't know how many C's we have now to call success. Huh? All these things that are 
dangling before us, if we go and grab it at the expense of the spiritual conviction and the birthright that God so desired for us to be in, we have been kana koto. By the way, kana koto means um, you understand kana koto? No, help me. Kana koto is cheated, short change, ripped off, ripped off. You know, so don't don't be ripped off. Don't enter into a wrong exchange. And so we look to God. We thank Him. Our whole life is a worship to Him. And that cannot be just in the beautiful sanctuary in your church on Sunday or when you gather for cell group meetings or choir practices or whatever Christian ministry or events that you are in. It must and it is necessarily every moment of our life because that living sacrifice I submit to you is a 24-7 Sacrifice. Would you read with me these uh, doxology passages in the Bible? Beautiful doxology passages. Let's read together. First Corinthians 8, verse 6. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Ephesians 4 verse 6, One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You know I'm after the preposition. Preposition unto God, unto God, unto Jesus. Colossians 1 6, For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Him and for Him. What a wonderful doxology of our life where God has placed us all for His glory. And even this verse that we have read in Romans 12 verse 1, therefore, you know in school we are told, right, whenever you see the word therefore, you ask yourself, why is the word therefore, therefore, right? I mean, I don't start a conversation with the a, with a, with a word therefore. I don't go to Isaiah and say, Isaiah, therefore. Isaiah will think I'm crazy. You know, There's nothing preceding that and you start. So when you say therefore, there is something before that, right? A equals to B, B equals to C. Therefore, A equals to C, something like that. And so when Paul says therefore, there must be something before that. You know, and if we look from Romans 1 all the way to Romans 11:36, it is the whole presentation of the depravity of man and how God came. And through Jesus Christ, we have that reconciliation unto God only in Jesus Christ. And so the verse prior to this, Romans 12 verse 1, is Romans 11:36. And it's a great, wonderful doxology to him who has it all. And that verse is, would you say it with me? For from him, Jesus Christ, and through him, and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore. Why? Why offer your bodies as a living sacrifice? 
because of the doxology of our life. In all that we are, we give it to Him. And so these three phrases, from Him, through Him, and for Him, points us to worshipping Him, who deserves it all. And it's in this I'd like to share with us the CEO whom we are. Does God care about our 9 to 5? Well, if our whole life is the doxology to God, praise to Him, that must necessarily include the time we spend at work and in the marketplace, in transacting and doing business, in our dealings with colleagues, business associated, uh, business associate, customers, clients, and so on. And, and let it be that our whole life will be to Him be the glory forever. Amen. And so it is so precious, such wonderful, profound recognition of Him who has called us for His glory. Paul writes in Ephesians 4 verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. The calling with which you were called. Paul was not writing to pastors and missionaries of Ephesus, but Christians. And Paul says to them, walk worthy of the calling. You see, our calling is from him. And we are first called to a person, then to a project or program, whatever that might be. We are first called to the master, then to his mission. Communion precedes commission. And so when we come to the Lord, you know, I grew up in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s as a young Christian, and, 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 and the emphasis of the church then was so much about going, 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 great commission, go. I thank God for that because it is in the going we recognize the great commission that is so urgent. You know what? When I read the Bible in Matthew 28, where the great commission is, I realize that before Jesus calls us to go, he first calls us to come. And that's in 11, 28 of Matthew. Jesus calls us to come. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And in that communion with the Lord flows forth most spontaneously that commission to go into all the world. And so never get that order wrong. Many Christians go, go, go without having properly so-called come to Jesus. Devotion precedes duty. Communion precedes commission. We don't get the order right, we can well end up a burnt out Christian because it is very dangerous for us to go without having come to Jesus because we can end up going in our own strength, in our own agenda, we're still in our own ego, 
own priorities, own values. Oh, but when you and I come to Jesus in the response to him, who invites us to come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden. When we come, we cannot but go because it is in that wonderful, loving communion that we go forth, not by our own strength, not in our own agenda, not in our own values or priorities or whatever, but it is in the Lord even as we go forth. And I pray this will help us to recognize that where God has placed us in the marketplace, each one of us, that we can look to him and thank him. Yes, indeed, God, for wherever you have placed me right now and for whatever, God, you want me to do, let me appreciate that I am already the called by you because we are first called to the master then to the mission. Sure, some will be called into church pastoral ministry, some to different nations as missionaries, but also some called to the marketplace as businessmen, as bankers, as doctors, as lawyers, as taxi drivers, as wherever God places each one of us. And so we don't have to sit down and wait for an identity other than the identity that we already have in Jesus Christ. We are the call, even as Paul says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. And so we live as the call unto God, unto Jesus, for where he's placed us. You know, the Lord uh, impressed on my heart and spoke to us, uh, you know, in very specific ways, you know, for, for me to go for some training, and that was in 1994. And uh, we responded to the call, my wife and I, and uh, our son was very young then, about two years old. And uh, the time that we spent in Regent College, Vancouver, in theological training and studies, it was unparalleled. It was a beautiful time whereupon after our return, the Lord just led me to different kind of ministry in teaching and in sermons and seminars and so on. And so I go forth in that way, serving the Lord where God has placed me. I enjoy my, my work as a technology consultant uh, in the advisory consulting uh, arm of uh, one of the big four accounting and advisory firm. Wonderful place, opportunities the Lord has led and, and uh, given to me. And I pray each one of us where God has placed us, that we don't feel any less called than the pastor or than the missionary and so on. If God were to call me now to, be, to give up the business and, and go into full-time pastor work or a mission work, I, I will not feel more called but to say, yes, God, I will. In obedience to the mission, to the place God will lead me, will call me into. But we are already the call. And as we look to God, and that is where our living sacrifice is, before God, understanding the calling for all that he has, out empowering is through him. 
So from him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever. You know, this is a very interesting verse in Exodus 35. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. You know, Bible teacher Richard Hinkinson tells us that the word filled with the Spirit of God is, is normally reserved for the office of priests and prophets and kings. But here it is being used on a craftsman. And, and so we see that God empowers us for wherever he places us. We have this in the uh, example of uh, Daniel of old. We have this in the example of Joseph, even as he served in the Egyptian courts. And for where God places each one of us, let's appreciate the empowering. The empowering which is through him for his glory. And so even as we work, we can look at work differently. I share with you three ways you can look at work. Number one, you can look at work as sustenance, right? Because all of us work to bring rice, chakritiao, bread, whatever, to the table, you know? And that's biblical. In fact, the Bible says that he who does not uh, provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So work as sustenance, but that's not all work is. Work also as satisfaction. Satisfaction in the image of God whom we are created, even as God says of his creation, it is good. Would you not in a work well done, a piece of work well done, an email well crafted, a conflict resolution in the office that you help to uh, bring together, reconciliation, in, in a floor well swept, in, in anything, a project well completed, that you and I can say, uh, God, that was good. Have you done that before in your office work? Why not do it? In the image of God whom we are created, even as we understand we do it through him, that says, God, that is good. That is good. I've done it so many times. In sensitive emails, dealing with customers, clients, colleagues, you know, resolutions and so on. That we pray, God, lead me and grant me wisdom, ability to do so. That when it is done and through it, we can say, God, that was good. Eric Lindell, the 1924 Olympic, 400 meter champion. His story is well uh, shown, uh, told in the, in, the, in the film Chariots of Fire. Uh, Eric Lindell says this. He says, I believe God made me for a purpose. He also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. You know, would you say that in your work? On Monday, you wake up, you know, as you go to work, and as you do your work in whatever professions, vocations you are in, that you say, as I work, I feel his pleasure. Why not? For all that God so call us as a living sacrifice, for all that he empowers us, let it be for his glory. So work as sustenance, work as satisfaction, and certainly also work as stewardship for what we are told to be in charge of.
it's easy to see Adam and Eve's kind of profession, gardener, take care, yeah? everything so nice and green, you know. Doctors, wow, caring for those who, who need medical help and so on. Lawyers, yeah, helping with the victims who have been, you know, uh, uh, falsely accused and, and whatever. Bankers, helping people structure their financial, you know, situation. And, and what about other aspects of vocation? Oh, that we can see them as stewardship for where God places us and enables us to be a blessing to others. And so we look at this from calling, empowering, and certainly also our offering. All that we are, all that we do. Paul writes here in Colossians 3, 22-24, Born servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as man pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Friends, issues of integrity, honesty, and ethics does not begin with you and your employer or between you and your customers or clients. It begins first and foremost between you and your God. For you serve the Lord Christ. And it's so beautiful that we can appreciate that all that we are and all that we do, oh God, it is for you. And that's the whole offering we are. And that's precisely what it is when we are urged to present or to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And I submit to you that living sacrifice is that sacrifice, sweet-smelling aroma to God in your family, and in your church, and also in the workplace, in the social areas for where God has led us. And so let it be that we can trust the Lord to look to Him, to appreciate what he has done for us, that our life be that living sacrifice to him. Does God care about our 9 to 5? Certainly, and more than that. Why? Because we are that living sacrifice to him wherever we are. Certainly not just in church, but also outside the church. Certainly not on Sundays alone, but every moment of every day to the glory of God. You know, I thank God for how he has uh, led. And, and one of the things I find is as we just come to him, come to him, never reverse the order. Come to me, all you who are weary, is the invitation to come. Don't worry about where God will lead us. Come to him first. Answer that call. And when you know you are the call because you have responded to the master, oh, that going is the Lord leading us to where he wants to place each one of us. You know, we go forth in the confidence, trusting him. Sometimes people ask me, Bansing, are you uh, full-time or part-time? I say, no, la, how can be full-time or part-time? Over time already, you know. Over time. But I've come to prefer a better response, which is not full-time, not part-time, not overtime, but all the time. Amen? And we are that living sacrifice before Him. 
I heard the illustration, the story, you know, as a very young, young uh, teenager, or maybe in my late teens, early 20s, that has impacted me so much. It's about this person who has come to know God, and he was so excited, zealous for the Lord, he knelt down and he took a blank piece of paper and he wrote many things he wanted to do for God. So many things he wanted to do for God and say, God, I'm going to sign my life on it, sign on it and do this for you. And just about he, just as he was about to sign, he kind of hear the Lord say, son, stop, stop. Turn that piece of paper over. I know you love me. Turn it over. And when he turned that piece of paper over, it was a blank piece of paper. And God said, son, sign on it. Oh, this young man couldn't believe it. He said, God, how come? I want to do so many things for you. How come you don't want me to do anything for you? And he kind of hear the Lord say, Son, I know you are so zealous and you love me so much. Sign on it, that blank piece of paper. Sign on it and I will fill it up. You know, that story impacted me so much that looking back to more than 30 years or so, I must say that has been very characteristic of the way I've lived the Christian life. And I recommend that to you. By the way, you know, God fill up doesn't mean that we don't do anything, but it's always obediently listening. And as he fills up, you go forth so diligently. Go forth so diligently. You know? And the reason is very simple. I mean, we heard so often, right? Don't place the ladder on the wrong wall, you know? And then when you climb up, huh? wow. wow, I'm at the top, but, oh yeah, sorry, ladder is on the wrong wall, you know? Before you climb, whether it's the corporate ladder, whether it is the, any ladder, pray God, where should this ladder be leaning on? So that when you climb and you go forth, you go forth for the glory of God. And so over the years, the Lord has uh, uh, led me in, in the sermons, in the uh, seminars and teaching sessions and so on. Each of these were complete by itself in the messages. I was surprised when I brought it together after more than 15 years or so that it formed a congruent theme on the workplace. And I was impressed to put that into a book, and it covers areas like business. What are we really about? And today's message is, is, is on this very fundamental question. What are you and I, what are we really about here in the marketplace? What, what is our real business? Right? I cover that in my father's business and the CEO, whom we are. Walk, the conduct, the money matters, our witness life, witnessing life, sex, Success, how do you and I define success? How does the Lord define success, which is more important? And Sabbath, I was interested to know whether the fourth commandment was still relevant for us in this you know, competitive world. And, and so I put that into a book, and, and uh, I'd like to give each one of us here a copy. Uh, I hope it will be a blessing to you. So on your way out, you know, please uh, pick up a copy. Uh, with compliments, and I, I hope it will be a blessing to you as it has been always. I didn't set out to write the book. It was through the life and the journey that the Lord has led me and putting this together and say, God, you know, 
the blank paper life is quite exciting, you know. <laughs> and it's really exciting, you know. Even as we look to God, even as Paul would say, what would you have me to do? And it's always God. What would it be? That we live lives that are so Christ-centered. I just gave this illustration in church last Sunday. That if this is Christ in our life, Christ, and this is our life, to live a Christ-centered life means that every aspect of my life takes its reference from Jesus Christ. And so whether I would migrate to another country, it is not, I go there, God, bless this migration decision of mine. But it's God. How does this migrating take its reference? Your will, your purpose, and for all that you desire for me to be, my family to be, it takes its reference from you. So friends, it is not about your business. And then God bless the business. But it is God, your business. And how does my business fit into your business? It is your business taking reference from God's business and not the other way around. And I submit this life for you wherever God has placed you. And even if you should change as you believe God is leading you to wherever, pray and indeed take that reference from where the Lord will lead you and lead me. God bless you. I pray this will be a blessing to you even as we look to God to live our life a doxology to Him for from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. What a proclamation of a life that is lived and exemplifies that which is said to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And I pray that will be true for you on Sundays and all the days at the marketplace and in society. God bless you.